With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what up? Welcome in. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is All Ball. We're getting you ready for college basketball season, and I caught up with a... uh, Senior guard, fifth-year senior guard at Oklahoma State, John Michael Wright. Now, John Michael Wright grew up in Fayetteville, North Carolina. And in this all ball, we talk about not just his journey to Oklahoma State, what it was like to play at a different school during the COVID year and the tragic passing of his stepfather when they were on the road just months ago in Spain. It's all right here in all ball with John Michael Wright. Your first memory of basketball is where? Uh, I was in the living room, and UNC was playing against Pitt, and I watched Tyler Hansborough go for like 30 points, and that's when I really was living room where, basketball. though? Like what, what? In Fayetteville, North Carolina. Okay. Yeah, in my house. Yeah. Where's Fayetteville, North Carolina? In, 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 like, okay, I know where the triangle is. Mm-hmm. I know where Charlotte is. Where's yeah. Fayetteville, North it's Carolina? It's in between that. Okay, in between the two? Yeah, in between Charlotte and Raleigh. Okay, so most people in Fayetteville are Carolina basketball fans? Yeah, UNC, yeah. Not a lot of Duke fans. There's no Duke fans in Carolina, right? Yeah, not really. Duke fans are really more Northeasterners. Yeah. What about NC State? Uh, People like NC State, but they're not really like the top dogs. It's either UNC or Duke. Okay. Um, So you were a Carolina basketball fan? I was. Who was your guy? Tyler Hansborough was. Hansborough was? Him and Ty Lawson. Ty Lawson was a bad boy. Mm -hmm, So so fast. Yeah. Um, So you went to high school in, in Fayetteville? Yeah, high school. And then what was it like in terms of recruitment? So in my senior year recruitment, I had probably five scholarships. My recruitment was pretty slow in high school. I got my first offer uh, my freshman year of high school. Who was that? Uh, it was to Marshall University. Okay. Yeah, but I didn't get my next one until my senior year uh, in January, which was from High Point University, where I ended up committing to. But, yeah, it was pretty slow for me. I had a lot of interest from a lot of schools, but nobody was really pulling the trigger on me, so that process was kind of sloppy. I've heard High Point, like, incredible campus. Mm-hmm. What's it like? It's amazing. It's like a it's like a country club, really, for college. Like the buildings are just top notch. Like uh, Nito Cobain, uh, the president of the school, he just primes himself on just the best stuff. So like he was always making renovations to buildings, building new stuff. Uh, they built a new arena there my sophomore year, and it's just immaculate, man. It's just so you went there. You played for Tubby. Tubby Smith. Yeah. What was he like? He was a great coach. You know, he was a fiery coach, uh, had a lot of knowledge. You know, he's part of the history of the game. And, you know, he was just a great guy to be around. And me and Coach Smith are really close. And uh, he's just, just just a smart basketball guy. What, what was he like in terms of influencing you in your life? Um, he was kind of like a, he was kind of like my grandpa. I felt like he'd be calling me grandson and stuff. Cause he just, every day I would go in his office and we would just talk and it wouldn't just be about basketball. Uh, it'd be about a lot of like life lessons, things he went through, stuff he wished he would have did different. And he was just trying to coach me up to be a better man. How good were you with your freshman year? I was pretty good. I was about 15 points. Uh, I came off coach, coach Smith put the ball in my hand immediately. So, uh, I had a big responsibility my freshman year. Right. So you got to play right away and play a ton of minutes. Mm-hmm. What, what was the decision like to leave there? 
it was hard. It was real tough because I had built a lot of rapport with all those coaches in High Point and the school. I was in love with the school and I, I didn't want to leave, but Coach Smith had retired and because he was going somewhere, I was going to get a new coach anyway. I just thought to myself, I might as well try and go and play at a bigger school. So what's it really like to put your name in the portal? So you go to compliance and you tell them, hey, I want to transfer. And they'll ask you a couple of questions about uh, why was it something wrong with the program? And you can answer based on how you feel. Uh, I said, no, I just wanted to go to look for another school. And they put my name in uh, the system. And 20 minutes later, I was in the portal. And then coach was just calling me left and right. Okay, so what's what's that like, right? From a guy who you had one scholarship offer your yeah. freshman year and then just a handful of scholarship offers mm-hmm. to all of a sudden now lots of people are calling you. What's that experience it, like? it was It was something that I, I couldn't imagine really. I, I told myself if I was in high school and I was getting these claws, I would be like going head over heels. But at that time, my junior year, I was a little more mature and I was really looking for a place to uh, settle in really quick. But I enjoyed the process. But my phone was buzzing constantly. Uh, a lot of co- coaches, a lot of great programs was reaching out to me, but ultimately Oklahoma State was my best. Okay, so you start, do you do Zooms with everybody? Like what was the, what's the contact with them? Like? I did about probably about 10 Zooms, but I did a lot more so phone calls over the phone with a lot of head coaches. What was the weirdest? Like give me, give me a weird Zoom. Or um, I say I had a Zoom. I won't say the school, okay. but I had a Zoom with a coach, and it was like, it was like he was occupied doing something else, but he was still trying to talk to me. Yes. Like, it was kind of weird. Like, it wasn't It wasn't really professional. It was like if you was on the phone with your homeboy and he was playing a game and then, like, <laughs> looking at you, oh, you know what I'm saying? Per- that's, the perfect, that's the perfect metaphor. Yeah. I completely get it. <laughs> Did anybody – like, I had this – I remember um, – so I went to Notre Dame and I transferred and I sat out and then committed late to Oklahoma State. Um but I remember there were a couple coaches late who called me, and they were like, one was Norm Stewart, who's the famous old coach at Missouri. And he was like, you're about, what, 6'2"? And I was like, nah. <laughs> no. Which meant, to me, you've literally never seen me play. Uh-huh, yeah. Right? That somebody said you're pretty good and you're available, whatever. Mm-hmm. Did you have anybody who are like, this guy has no idea who I am? Um. No, I don't think so. I think, especially nowadays, because there's so much film. Synergy. Yeah, yeah, synergy. So I, I think coaches knew what I, they was getting into. I know here, when I got here, a lot of the players thought I was taller because I guess they was told I was 6'2 as well. And I'm like, nah, man, I'm, I'm barely six foot. But, um, nah, I think all the coaches pretty much knew my game because when we got on the phone, they were pretty much telling me what they seen. So, obviously, they had to watch some film. The COVID year was, was which year? My sophomore year. What was that like? It was weird because uh, – Everybody in my program caught COVID but me. All the coaches and all my teammates caught COVID. So we were down for two weeks, and I was the only player in the gym that could do anything. And then um, they had went and traveled. So, so, so wait, so just that year in general, mm-hmm. okay? You guys were on campus the whole year? Oh, yeah, whole year. Were the rest of the students on campus? They were, but you couldn't, you couldn't go to nobody else's room. Uh, you had to wear a mask everywhere. You couldn't come in groups. Nobody could go to the student center and, like, work out or play basketball. It was, it was, it was terrible. So – uh, and then what point in time in the year did did everybody get COVID? It was November, in no, around November. So you would go and practice by yourself? Yeah, I would just go to the gym, yeah, hang out. One time I took like two weeks off of school. I just went to Pennsylvania with my homeboy. Where'd was, you guys go? We went to Ligonier, Pennsylvania, which is where his family is from. But it was like a lot of mountain resorts there. So I just went to hung out. And what'd you there. do when you were there? Just went hiking, you know, just chill, went fishing, hunting a little bit. I ain't shooting nothing though. Okay. <laughs> Have you? Are you a hunter? No, I'm not. Are you fit? Can you fish? I like to fish. Yeah, I like For to catch bass. Bass? Mm-hmm. Lakes? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like really good with it? You're no, I'm not fly, really. You've been fly fishing. No, I can't. Oh. I can't get the dynamics of it. 
I can't either, but I think you can be taught. I mean, I would guess. Yeah, probably, yeah. I would guess. Plus, I mean, you're a pretty precise guy. Like, I think you could get all of that. That's And then what were the games like? Did you have fans at the games? No fans at all. They cut out, like, cardboard faces of, of random students, and it was terrible. And that was you had a brand-new gym that year, too, right? We did, but we didn't plan it. So we played in uh, the old gym because they were still building on it. Because of COVID, they had to slow down a little bit. So it was supposed to be done my sophomore year, but we didn't get in there until my junior year. That's crazy. Yeah. Okay, so so you're meeting with all these key coaches. You're taking all these zooms. How do you decide like who's full of it and who's real? And how did, what what was that process like? Um, so my stepdad, he was in that process with me a lot, and he knew a lot of people that were connected to certain coaches, and you know they would like kind of give you the real or what the real expectations of it because you know every coach when recruiting you, they're gonna tell you what you want to hear, you know. But um, I tried to do my research as best as I could, and I had. A lot of my old AAU coaches and high school coaches helping me in that process as well. So they were able to kind of help me sniff out what's who's real and who's just talking. And uh, when I met Coach Mike, I could just tell from how he talked, just he was real about what he was saying because he didn't promise me anything. So once he did, I knew he didn't promise me anything. Then I knew that's okay. That's the type of guy I want to play for. What is it like to change levels? Um, it's scary, but it's also fulfilling at the same time, especially when you were in high school and you always thought you could play high major like I did. Um, just being able to get the opportunity to play and actually actually get in the game, uh, it was something that felt good to me at the time, and it was just something that I said, okay, I'm glad I was able to accomplish this in my life. Fog Allen Fieldhouse was, I think, your first big-time, big-time moment, big-time game, and you <laughs> played well. What, what's that like to go from playing at high point Thinking you play high major, now you're taking on Kansas at the fog. Man, it's it's a great feeling. I mean that that stadium was rocking, but the performance I had, I always thought I could do that, so that wasn't surprising. It was just the fact that I did it. You know, I had the confidence to take the shots and make the shots that I made, and the fact that you know we it was a game we should have won, and I saw okay, we are actually a team that could really do something with this. Um, but it was a great feeling. So you get done last year. Now, how many can you get another year? No, this is my last. This is it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, What is the process like of? Because you could have. Did you graduate last year? Mm -hmm. I graduated. So you could have gone. Well, you could have done the portal again. Mm -hmm. Why come back? I just felt like it was too much left on the table uh, with this program, and I I was a big part of that. And I just couldn't leave like that because I've never wanted to be that type of person to leave something and not finish what I promised I would help get to. Where's that come from? Just really, just really my stepdad, you know, just rooting that into me when being younger because I always see him start something like he had a whole bunch of businesses and he would never give up on them until they got to a certain point. So and really my brother, my older brother, he's he's the same type of guy. Just seeing his story um, coming out of high school, he didn't have any uh, college scholarships either, but he worked his way to get on the team and then he was about to play for Arkansas football. So, you know, just seeing that you can do anything, you just can't quit and. I wouldn't be able to leave and feel good about myself knowing that there was so much left on the table. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market. 
as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So you decide to come back. You're getting ready to go to Spain. And you find out your stepdad passed away, right? Mm Mm-hmm. What's that? What's that like? And it, it was tough, and it's it's just odd. It still is. I mean, it still doesn't feel real because it came out of nowhere. You know, my stepdad, he was he was my guy. He was the man that raised me, and, and he was the one that believed in me first when it came to basketball when nobody else did. And he was my coach, and so it was tough. And it's even tougher because I have a little sister that's nine years old, and they were very close. And I just know it's hitting her hard, and you know it's just different. But you know, it, it just motivates me now to make sure that I play hard. Have you gotten enough chance to grieve? Not really. I, I didn't really have a chance to because once he passed, he had so much stuff going on that I had to go back home and kind of figure out how to help put it in place because my mom couldn't do it at the time. And, you know, sometimes I sit here and there and, and think about it, but I try not to grieve too much because, you know, I don't really want to be in that headspace. And uh, But, I mean, I, when we went to the funeral, I tried because Mike and them came and, and seen me. So I, wasn't, I haven't been by myself which is, I think is good because I had a lot of support from my family. Uh, but, yeah, I haven't really grieved. Obviously getting a chance to spend some time with Coach Mike Boyden and with you, like you see how close you guys are. And it's one of the things that I've kind of tried to tell people. And every coach is different, right? Like not every coach can be like a father figure. But it feels like maybe not father figure because that was your stepdad, but almost kind of big brother is, is how. What's your relationship like with him? Yeah, me and Coach might have a great relationship. I, I love him because he keep it real with me. You know, he doesn't just tell me what I want to hear, you know, and I just see his aspirations for the program. You know, he's the type of guy that doesn't think about himself. You know, he does things for others, and I always pride myself on doing the same thing. So just seeing how he's at this level and how he puts other people's perspectives before his and other people's needs before his is just something great to me. And like I said, when he came to the funeral, that just really showed me what type of man he is and, I'll run through a brick wall of Coach Mike. You took 25,000 shots this summer. Mm-hmm. How'd you come up with that number? So I told Coach Mike to give me a challenge for the summer back in May. Um, and he said, I challenge you to make 25,000 threes and 5,100 free throws. So you got to do it from June 4th all the way to August 4th. And so I was like, bet, like, let's do it. Because I wanted to put in so much work this summer because this is my last year and I wanted to get this program my all. 
So he gave me that number, and I finished uh, on August 1st. Um, I got off to a good head start, and I kind of got lazy towards the middle. So it kind of caught up to me, but I so, finished. So, okay, when you say good head start, how many would you shoot in a day? I was making probably 1000 a day. It, on average, it was like eight hundred to a thousand. And you were doing on the machine uh, on the no. So I had I had rebounders uh, with me, so they knew like I wasn't lying on my numbers. So Brady uh, Price was one of our GA was helping me. Him and Zach uh, and a lot of the managers was helping me because I wanted them to see that I wasn't just lying by my number. How many does it take to ma- how many shots does it take to make eight hundred? Probably, probably about twelve hundred. Yeah, probably probably about twelve hundred shots. So it was a time where it was. I would say in July, it was a week where I made like 6,000. This was another week where I made four. But then I took maybe a week off because I was just so drained. It was, t- it was, it was tougher than I thought it was going to be. But then I picked back up and I would probably make probably 500 a day. So when you, when you shoot 1,000 a day, what hurts the next day? My shoulder blades and my back. Yeah, it's not really my legs. It's just it's really my torso. Like everything up top was really was really bothering me because I was getting in the ice bath, but I wouldn't put my whole body in there. I was just put my lower body, so my upper half was was kind of tired, and that's what really made me take a little break because I was like, man, this this is tough. Okay, so you're now now what is your, what's your pregame routine in terms of like you get up in the morning? Like, do you want to get up early and get a bunch up? Like, what is say you're playing at seven tonight? Yeah, mm-hmm. what's your routine? Give me. So I, I plan on making three hundred before every home game. You like to get up early? You like to sleep in? I like to sleep in. Okay. Yeah. Sleep in means what? Ten? Nine? It depends on what time our pregame meal. So if we got pregame meal around ten, like I'll probably get up early. Probably around seven o'clock. But no, but if it's seven o'clock game, so you don't have pregame meal until okay. till, uh, till three, you might have a shoot around or whatever. I'll probably sleep in to about nine. I go go to the gym maybe by ten, put up three hundred, um, then just go throughout the day and get ready for the game, rest up a little bit. But I, I kinda wanna I kinda wanna fit it in where I can get the three hundred up like right before the game starts. You know, so I'm just does it right. matter to you, like, in Gallagher, you have the practice gym. Does it matter to you if you're on the main court, or is it just any, nah. any, any court as long as you yeah. get them up? any court, yeah, as long as it's a basket, it's cool. All right, what about shoes? Do you are you, do you lock in on one pair, and you wear them the whole year? Do you like to rotate them? What's, 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 the, what's the shoe decision like? So, I lock in on one pair, but I'll be wearing them out so much, sure. I, I got to, like, I got to start switching that so, up. Okay, so what's the pair going to be this year? So they gave me these team LeBrons. I'll probably wear those. And then they gave us some team GT Nike Zooms. Yep. Those will be there. So I'm trying to look for a third one. I may buy one, but I don't know. But those two are the only two right now. You know, those Jaws might be nice. The Jaws? Yeah, you like those? I haven't tried them. My son likes those. I haven't tried them either. Yeah. Those are good. So, okay, and then how do you know when, like, are you superstitious? If you play well in the shoes, you're going to keep wear those shoes, or is it only based upon feel? Kind of, yeah. I'm kind of superstitious, but sometimes I feel like that's not good. I used to uh, – I wouldn't, wouldn't wear the pair of shoes again in a game if we lost. And so my, my junior year, we were supposed to – we were top 10 in the country, and we went through a bad stretch, and we lost – like 11 games that year mm. so i if you go through the pictures like there's a lot of different shoes yeah, there yeah. I was, <laughs> you're I was, looking for the right pair huh? um you, you have nine new teammates it's like the opposite of when you showed up at oklahoma state where you're the new guy now everybody else is the yeah new guy. what's that like for you? it's weird because you know like you said i was in the same position but i came into a team and i was already established now we pretty much broke down the whole team uh, are creating a new nucleus so when everybody first got here, there's a lot of different personalities that you got to get used to. And not only is it transfers, but it's freshmen that you got to teach about college basketball in general. They haven't played a game yet. Uh, but the coaches did a great job recruiting. I think what they look for is personality-based, 
guys that fit the program or fit Coach Mike. And I think they did a great job with that because everybody is locked in and wants to really work hard. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Do you do they know how good they have it? Right, because you've been at High Point, and look, High Point had great mm-hmm. facilities. Yeah, but it's still a lower level of, of basketball in terms of support. Yeah, like at at any point, is there like fellas, you get good playing, but you don't realize how good you have it. Yeah, and I say it all the time. Like I don't think they don't understand. Like, but I tell them like y'all don't know how good you got it. Like. At High Point, my first three years, like, we had to share showers. You know what I'm saying? Now it's different because they got the new facility. But, like, at Oklahoma said, you got your own shower. You get a whole bunch of gear, all that, the whole nine. You get limited, a whole bunch of access to to the gym and, you know, just the camaraderie from the, the students. Like, you looked at as a celebrity here. At High Point, I was just a student that played basketball. So, like, yeah, they don't really understand, especially coming straight out of high school, being All-Americans and five-stars. Like, they don't really get that low, that low-level life. But, I mean – to each his own like i don't think that's a problem but no i but if it does that prepares you for like when you play in europe like that's kind of how it is when mm-hmm. you play in the and you play in the g league like that's how it is yeah and, you know there's you get some some of that shine of nba stuff but really not not that much a great season for you is what this year um for me personally, for personally? um just being able to lead my team i want to lead us in three point percentage uh and threes made because that's what i've been working on all summer um and just being able to be a big part of a, a winning program, um, just winning the Big 12, obviously, but being a, a big impact guy for the team, you know, on and off the court, uh, just that that'll be that'll be a successful season for me. I don't see I don't see why that's not not altogether possible. Mm-hmm. Um, in ten years, where are you? What are you doing? Man, that's a that's a great question that I've been thinking about. If it, if I'm not playing somewhere. I low-key want to go into coaching. At first, before I came here, I didn't really think about going into coaching. But just being around Coach Mike and this coaching staff, I see how impactful a coach can be on a player. And I love younger kids. And I see, like, especially back where I'm from, it's a lot of kids that have a lot of misguidance. And I think sports allows them to be put in a situation where they could be guided uh, in a different perspective for the long run and not just for the sport itself. So if I'm not playing basketball, I'll definitely be coaching somewhere. I mean, like, look, what you're saying is totally accurate, and I appreciate and respect it. It is interesting, though, and so many people think that sports is just about the money. Right? Mm -hmm. How can I make the money? How can I find a way to make the most money? There's so so many other aspects to it. Yeah. Which, if you make money on it, it's great, right? Definitely, especially if you can make a, make a profession out of it. But it's not really even the most important part, mm-hmm. right? And it's yeah. some you only find, uh, some you find over over time. Um, mm-hmm. la- last thing, your favorite place you have played so far in college basketball? I say can't, the Kansas game, we went to Allen Fieldhouse. It was crazy because I couldn't hear nothing. They were so loud, I couldn't hear anything. But it really, like, motivated me. I like those type of crowds. Totally. Now, Who doesn't? Yeah. Who doesn't? When it's, when it's full in warm-ups? Yeah. It's just a buzz going? Man. Like, that's why you hoop. Mm-hmm, exactly. That, like, those like, are the moments you live And for. I know you were throwing down in warm-ups, right? Like, you jump at least three or four inches higher in warm-ups. Yeah, because of the crowd. Yeah. Completely. <laughs> completely. It's just, like, just like high school. Back see, in I'm not school, the only one that think that. I, okay, I'm glad I'm no, glad we're see, on the same Okay, page. and this is, I hate to do the back when I played. So, Gallagher was half the size. Uh-huh. So, we had games like that. And, you know, you get a big Kansas game and you're going up and yeah, you're, you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, <laughs> well, the crowd kind of helps. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It kind of mm-hmm. helps. John Mike's great to catch up with you, man. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. My thanks to John Michael Wright. 
just an amazing young man, an amazing personal story. The reminder, the Doug Gottlieb Show is daily, 3 to 5 Eastern time, 12 to 2 Pacific. And of course, we have the In the Bonus podcast, the daily pod covering all college sports. In the meantime, thanks so much for listening. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is All Ball. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.